Where would you like me to begin, though? Just continue. I mean, just continue okay. on the players. Okay, okay, okay. So, like for context, like the U.S. recently called out, made a statement that that called out the Israeli government and its in its like settler colonial policy. A Palestinian teenager was killed, and they called out the action as being terrorism. Which what I just said is inching closer to like the moral clarity of calling out Israel as an apartheid state because the two guys who engineered apartheid in South Africa have said that given the structure of the state, that it's an apartheid state. And so, like, I don't understand why there's, like, an abate, a debate about this anymore. And, like, I recently watched the show The Little Drummer Girl, and so, like, I'm, I've been recently interested in the politics of, uh, of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, and, like, goddamn, dude, like, I don't know, like, it's just... And again, like, I don't, I don't think, like, being anti this, like, the, or the government of Israel is, is like inherent anti-Zionism or inherent anti-Semitism. And like, I don't even know how I feel about like Zionism in and of itself, uh, but I'm not an anti-Semite. But like, the only expression I have is that like, there needs to be more clarity. And it's just frustrating that there isn't any, like, we're not doing anything about this. And that like, it's just left because like, I don't know, like the UN or some like libertarian think tanks and like the reactionary conservatism of the world in general is just like, like letting it happen. And it's just like, I don't know, dude. It's depressing bullshit. Like, have you seen that video of that, like, dude? He's, like, clearly, like, a Jewish guy from, like, Brooklyn who's just, like, taking this person's house. And he's just like, I can have this now because it's mine because they said they can have it. And he's saying it in this, like, thick Brooklyn accent and shit. And it's like, you don't belong here. You're clearly not from the Middle East, sir. You're not from this area of the world. You were born in America and you're clearly taking advantage of the, like, racist settler colonial policies. And it's just, like, it's it's just, like, horrifying and depressing and every fictional portrayal of Mossad shows how fucking terrible they are. And all, and like, honestly, like, from, like, the Little Drummer Girl to, like, Munich and stuff, like, they kind of show that, like, and I'll talk about pop culture later, but, like, they kind of show, like, like Mossad is this terrible organization that, like, it's just fucking, like, they're this destabilizing force that actually does escalate things and makes things worse. And, like, getting mad at Palestinians when their, their, their land was stolen and they're, like, subjugated to this, like, tiny part of, like, this this portion of the world that used to be theirs it's like it's just ah it makes no sense to me again it's a lack of moral clarity and it's such a lack of moral clarity on an international level that it's so it's just like it can be insurmountably depressing i don't know i've just been thinking about that recently Trying to assess the apartheid state that is Israel without taking into account the fact that it's a product of like the post-war consolidation that the United States and Europe, like as the Western Bloc solidified and entrenched itself uh, in the region militarily, like everything got completely fucked up in World War II. So even, you know, Jews that were living in the Eastern Bloc if they managed to somehow escape being rounded up and put into concentration camps, they basically still had to flee because conditions were pretty terrible everywhere. But the United States wasn't going to accept them. Yes. Oh, fuck. Yeah, no, no, no. I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, So, like, Israel is kind of like a proxy state for them. Yeah, I get it. Okay. Yeah, like, Israel is basically... But it's kind of like a proxy state for a lot of the Western powers. But, like, specific... uh, yeah, America primar- primarily. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> It was more favorable for the for the American empire rather than to, like, welcome refugees into the country to basically militarily back a 
burgeoning apartheid state in the Middle East because it wasn't it, it hadn't been too much time since the West was like actively promoting the image of Hitler as, you know, an everyman or some kind of like brave dude. I mean, arguably, you could say kind of the same thing about Stalin in some cases in the in the years following. But I mean, after World War Two, when the United States wasn't really trying to like curry favor with either side of, uh, you know, the fascism versus communism <laughs> dialectic. Yeah. And it had established economic and military control over the rest of the planet, with the exception of a few pockets that they would later use the CIA to bend to the will of American capitalism and American imperialism. Where's the bad guys? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> History is written by the victors, you know? Yes. Yeah. As a legacy of this, like, Red Scare tactic, uh, associating Judaism with communism, like, it's still a pretty popular right-wing trope. There wasn't really any impetus for Jews of the diaspora to organize a left-wing project, hmm. but there was plenty of impetus and military backing to organize a right-wing project. Yeah, see what I'm saying? Yeah, and it makes a lot. It that's a lot easier when you when you're given a place to do it. Yeah. To expand on Scott's point that today's Israel serves as a proxy for multiple Western states. The Zionist project was really birthed at the end of the 19th century with support from the Austrian, British, French, and Russian empires, under the pretense of returning a land without people to the people without a land. But Palestine was already home to hundreds of thousands of people with a distinct cultural identity, and the vast majority of both practicing and secular Jews did not believe in any divine right to the ownership of territory. The first Zionist colonizers were, unsurprisingly, wealthy men who bought land from feudal landlords with intentions not to simply exploit labor, but to displace Arabs from the land entirely. Britain ultimately claimed Palestine as a colony at the end of World War I, kicking off an era of state-funded violence against indigenous Palestinians. After World War II, the issue of Israeli statehood was turned over to the United Nations, both then and today functionally organs of the imperial powers. Despite an overwhelming consensus among UN member states that the Israeli occupation meets criteria for an apartheid regime and the illegal colonization of Palestine constitutes an egregious violation of human rights, the UN has few, if any, avenues to circumvent the United States' veto power on the Security Council. To illustrate just how convoluted this is, in December 2022, the United Nations General Assembly adopted a resolution which reaffirms the right of Palestinian people to self-determination, including the right to their independent state of Palestine, with 167 votes in favor and only six votes against. Two of those no votes, of course, being the United States and Israel. However, the UN Charter does not grant the General Assembly any power to intervene in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, as that would be the domain of the Security Council. Well, if you can't directly enforce state sovereignty, maybe you can hold some war criminals accountable in the International Court of Justice for aiding and enforcing genocidal policy against Palestinian civilians. I don't think so. Neither Israel nor its primary source of military funding, that being the United States, participate in the international criminal courts. Probably because all those war crimes. <laughs> Even setting aside the issue of the defendant, 
Palestine doesn't have the statehood necessary to achieve official state parties status. So we come back around to the issue of statehood, only to discover that for Palestine to itself become a UN member state that is not an observer state, nine of the 15 UN Security Council members, including all five permanent members, China, France, Russia, the UK, and the United States, would need to cast an approving vote. So the issue is not that the wider world is out of touch with the suffering of Palestinians, rather that the Imperial Corps is the benefactor of such suffering. Actually, like I can just, Joe's not with us today, so we're just kind of flying by the seat of our pants. Uh, the question that I have, or like the take that is emerging so far right now that, that Matt was talking about on his stream is that like, why the socialist project failed, like the stain that's left over and like how long may it, may it stick around is that like, basically like three things happened in like in the 20th century. And that was like, one, the ultimate like ascension, and then later corruption, disillusion, and collapse of the Soviet Union, two, the failure of the Spanish socialists to win during the Spanish Civil, Civil War, and then three, the invention of the atomic bomb by the Americans. That those are the three things that basically put it, put the kibosh on the socialist project in the 20th century. And that anything still connected to the 20th century that's still around is the reason why it's not going to happen again. And so like, it won't be us, but it will. And this is a thing I've been arguing for a while that like, it won't be us, but it will be like the next generations that will actually get a chance because like the memory of that bullshit is going to be gone. And like, I kind of agree, but like, I'm kind of relatively ambivalent towards it. Like, I do think the atomic bomb, like, factored majorly into like the direction that things went, unfortunately, whereas like everything became like fucking militarized and not focused on like more important things. Whereas like, I don't know, like I've just kind of, I'm wondering what your take on that is. And to a degree, the thing you're talking about with like ambivalence about the moral deb debate between like in America, between like communism and fascism, like that's kind of in Oppenheimer a little bit, but also buried deep in Oppenheimer is the fact that like, the left-wing politics of all of these scientists and stuff that created the A-bomb was then fucking, like, paved over by this fucking, like, Hooverite, by-your-bootstraps conservatism that, like, rejected the New Deal, rejected Roosevelt's whole promise for America and, and like, what he had planned. That's the reason why America will or could never become a socialist country, is things like that. Like, I actually do agree with that, but I'm just wondering what your broader, what you think on the whole thing, so... Sorry, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know if I would place as much weight on the the Spanish Civil War. Like, I don't, I wouldn't put it as one of the top three things that resulted in, like, the failure of socialism in the 20th century. Okay. But my interpretation was that it, there's then a second, like, communist power that's on both sides. There's one on both sides of Europe at that point. So, I mean... I'm not very good at this, like... <laughs> alternate history shit but just in thinking about like people power there's so many more people in asia than there are in europe so like i think the the chinese communist revolution was probably one of the most influential events in fucking history well, i agree with you on that yeah to the extent that the communist party still exists in china you can say or yeah. think whatever you want about it but yeah they're never going away I, I don't th like the amount of people in China who like support the punch the party. It's never going away. I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry, America. It's just, it's not happening. <laughs> like, I think the part of the reason that the Soviet Union ended up dissolving is because one could sort of argue that the Russian revolution was like, it wasn't necessarily a bourgeois revolution, but it was a revolution 
undertaken in accordance with a model that was more compatible with a European-style parliamentary system, wherein political power can still be achieved through traditional democratic means. Like the violence in that case was warring factions of socialists basically killing each other, you know? Yeah, okay. I mean, the Sardom was sort of fragile because it's like one fucking family, you know what I mean? Mm. Like a modern-day United States, the social capital and political capital that the ruling class has is it's entrenched in a completely different way where like there is no route in which the working class can take control of the ostensible means that we have for exercising democracy like the leninist model for revolution was applicable to the system in which lenin was operating and that was one of trying to transition from a monarchy to like some semblance of democracy using a parliamentary system. That model just doesn't extend to other parts of the world. Yes. Yes. It doesn't extend to South America and it doesn't extend to like Southeast Asia. The only way that revolutions would be backed by existing socialist states would be if they followed a Soviet model. Mm. And so that limited the capacity for subsequent national liberation movements to be able to establish a form of democracy that was better suited to their material conditions. And I think, I don't know, like Deng Xiaoping was both a revisionist and the reason that China can still exist in its current form. So it's like a give and take. I don't know. It like really it it almost depends on how you define socialism because like the Soviet version of socialism is dead, but like other versions of socialism have survived. And in the United States there really was never any form of socialism that was ever really developed in theory because like it's like a petty bourgeois country. An obvious rebuttal to this comes from Americans who point toward democratic socialism as a well-developed theory for achieving socialism in the United States. I have some criticisms of the democratic socialist political theory, primarily that it, as well as any other theory, is non-falsifiable unless tested. Democratic socialism advocates for institutions which I fully support conceptually and would fully support if realized such as universal healthcare, worker cooperatives, income limits, public ownership of public utilities, etc. Yet the fundamental roadblock to developing and protecting these institutions is the relationship between capitalism and the state. Unlike other socialist frameworks, democratic socialism does not instruct us to dismantle the state or to replace it with the proletarian dictatorship, and in that sense it functions as more of a governing philosophy. It may help guide our policy prescriptions once we found our way into the state apparatus, but we'd have to assume positions of power, and in fairly large proportions, for the opportunity to actually govern. If we aren't taking the levers of state power by force, then the only way to wriggle our way in there is to work within the confines of a political system which overwhelmingly favors the social, political, and economic interests of the bourgeoisie. We live in a bourgeois dictatorship. It's not a matter of opinion. It is a political duopoly supported by the spoils of its own austerity and corruption, legitimized by the most powerful media conglomerates in the world, asserting the necessity of that duopoly, of the class it serves, of the military-industrial complex, 
and of the financial imperialism that, together, prevent any alternative modes of governance and production from posing a threat to the familiar hegemony. If DSA members, myself included, fail to protect ourselves from liberalism, opportunism, sunk cost fallacies, etc. If petty bourgeois reform is the precondition for the reification of socialism, then the appeal of the American democratic socialist horizon will lie only in its ability to shirk all scrutiny of its implementation, as that opportunity will never come. And it's very separate from the international community, and it's very spread out. Like, there, there's a lot of logistical problems to America that, like, <laughs> a revolution wouldn't solve them. What would solve them is America breaking up into five different countries. Because, like, that would be the only time that, like, any part of America would be able to, like, revolutionize. Or if, like, you know, like, New England split off and then, like, parts of the South split off and stuff. And, like, you know, it's just, we're too big of a country. It's, 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 I mean, we gotta balkanize this shit. Like, fucking Europe had the right idea. Sorry. <laughs> I can't do the alternate history thing. Like, That's fine. I don't really like it either. <laughs> I'm just like... Like, I can tell you, like, reasons for things that happened, but I'm not gonna... I really can't speculate on, you know... If anything, that's that's more acceptable than, like, popping off, like, all these, like, different, like... Because if we're materialists, then we have to be bound by, like, what has happened. And so, like, we can speculate to a small degree, but we have to just, like, live with what happened. So, what's happened, happened. I'm sorry, I'm referencing Chris Nolan right now. Which is an expression of faith in the mechanics of the, of the universe. It's not an excuse to do nothing. That's a revolutionary statement, I believe, so. Realistically, like... Thinking about why socialism failed in the United States is because, like, America was never socialist. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's really what it is. It's like there was never a mass basis for fucking socialism in the United States. Socialism failed in America more for, like, cultural reasons. For the most part, socialism fails because there's a literal war against it. Like, in the United States, people just never did it. Yeah. And no, what I was going to say is that, like, there I guess, there was a lot of, like, cultural reasons and, like, there was a lot of capital left for white people after World War II. Yes, there was Joseph McCarthy, but again, like, that was the policy side of what was still ultimately a culture war. But at the same time, like, people did actually, like, lose their livelihoods and stuff. So, like, broadly why the Socialist Project failed was, like, or in America, why? Because, again, you're right. It never really caught on. There was too much capital in this country. I think the closest thing that we ever had to, like, a genuine communist revolution in the united states and it was a pretty small project was the black panthers yeah that started with the rainbow coalition so that was like 60s through 80s and that was like i said brutalized out of people with militarized police force and basically campaigns of state terror that literally killed people and also utilized a lot of like FBI informants and all that shit. The only time that the United States ever had to turn those mechanisms of imperialism inward were when there was like a, an emerging Maoist movement in the United States. So again, like I'm not trying to undervalue any of like the people who actually like went through harm during these periods. Like it was bigger than just a culture war. Now it's culture war shit. But again, like there's a lot of anti-communist movies that I've seen and they are bad. Anyways. <laughs> It's also like illegal. I mean, you can say the same for other nations. Like it's the reason Rosa Luxemburg was outed because it was mm. fucking illegal to be a communist in Germany. You know, is that pre World War Two or post? Pre. Yeah. Oh. Jesus Christ! What a fucking weird country that was. Never should have been uni <laughs> reunified. <laughs> that is a, a belief I do have that Germany. The whole point of NATO was not was to keep Germany from being reunified. And, 
Yes, we uh, forgot about that. Anyways, let's get into the news. There is some shit going on in Burkina Faso. We keep returning to this country. A lot of lot of activity going on there. Uh, the coup and in Niger. Just the whole fucking. It's like a, just a whole thing. Niger. Anyways, Niger, Niger, um, Niger. The coup is they're trying to oust the uh, pro Western, pro French government. I guess we gotta say because the French use a lot of the uh, Niger's uranium, which is like kind of crazy that we like. We really do pull this shit out of the ground, don't we? The planet gave us, gave us everything we need to destroy ourselves. And we didn't stop and think maybe we shouldn't. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I have been lightly following the coup and like it's getting bigger. But again, like I believe in the destiny of countries to decide their own fate, being unmolested by imperial power. So I do support the coup, you know? Um, should I not? Is there something that you know that I don't that like I shouldn't? Should should we be supporting this coup or should we be optimistic about the outcomes or what? Uh, yeah. I mean, okay. <laughs> I, I don't think that the hearkening back to the days of Thomas Sankara is like a oh, genuine yeah. <laughs> foil to the modern to what's happening currently, especially because there are like Wagner. Yeah, I don't think troops. that's gonna happen. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, there are Wagner troops. That's problematic. Yeah. Having Everything, like a, nothing is just <laughs> simple in this world. And like, maybe it shouldn't be. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, having like a, a private foreign militia, like backing the rebels is kind of like, that's what we did in the Middle East. <laughs> And everywhere else that fucked everything Ugh. up really badly. So, like, I don't really think that's comparable to, like, a, a people's revolution. Very important note here. The military junta in Burkina Faso, Mali, and Niger have all denied Wagner involvement. Western press outlets, from the BBC to the New York Times, have printed articles which make the jump from Russian support directly to the deployment of Wagner mercenaries, Yet, the alleged evidence of such deployments has been conclusively debunked as old recycled footage. Furthermore, the US-funded Mujahideen were fighting communism, while the military junta in West Africa are fighting the successors to the Mujahideen, so there's a pretty clear moral distinction there. I'm just going to assume that I don't have to explain why Nigerians would prefer the support of Russian troops, whether public or private, over the involvement of American and French troops. Why well, I should read the articles. Like, really, what it, what it is more is a proxy war. It's a, it's a proxy war between the colonial powers or former colonial powers and the emerging Eurasian bloc. It's good by default, <laughs> more so than... Yeah, I, again, like, I don't believe, like... Anything that uproots, like, imperialist or colonialist powers is good, but, like, I don't believe, you know... I'm not saying that this will bring about, like, a socialist revolution. Like, we're gonna get... There'll be another Thomas Sinkar that comes out of this. Like, that's not... I don't believe that'll happen, unfortunately. I hope not, because he would just get assassinated. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> that would suck. Oh, God damn it. Yeah. So that was... That's... That's... That's Niger. That's the... That's, uh... Niger. What what is the what is the relationship between Niger and Burkina Faso? Are they? The, I don't know geography or politics or anything. I'm not smart. Actually, I do, but I'm just I'm not smart about this because it's Africa, and an American education doesn't really teach you much about modern African politics. I mean, distinctions between are they the same country or are they no? They're next to each other. Okay, they share like the southwestern blob of Niger is okay. the north. Eastern blob of Burkina Faso. Okay. Wow. Okay. I see these two. These. All right. So that whole area. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Look at it on a map, folks. 
if you Google it. Power to the people. Get Wagner out of your fucking coos. Get him out of here. Get him out of here. Throw him back. Throw him back to Poland. But what Russia is doing also is establishing like more favorable terms of trade. Like what happens with pretty much everywhere in the global south is that the amount of labor that goes into mining and processing the raw materials that end up getting exported to the global north is nowhere near compensated by the wages that those workers are paid. It's called unequal exchange, and it explains a whole lot about purchasing power and outsourcing labor and imperialism in general. So I don't know, maybe we'll do something more in-depth on it at some point. It's just another thing that's it's got to keep your eye on it. Like I'm keeping my eye on the Ohio issue one special election, which is probably, yeah, it's going to go now. So I wouldn't worry about it. Do you know about this? Ohio won special election. The Ohio issue one special election. Basically, like the Republicans in Ohio found a weird loophole where they could change like the structure of the House and Senate of Ohio that like they need a super like a more than 60 percent, like a 60 percent supermajority to pass a law. And it's basically because like the Republicans are trying to take over the state because they have there's like an outsourced amount of Republicans representing Ohio, though Ohio is typically like a more Democratic state. And so, like, the Republicans are trying to, like, kind of latch onto this and, like, take control because it's it's kind of a proxy election for an abortion question that's coming up the next cycle. It looks like it's going to go no, so they're not going to change it. So it's just going to say a simple majority. Uh, and so, like, they'll actually be more, like, democracy, you know, in the state. So that's good. And that's this is very much what I figured was going to happen. Oh, my God. It's a 70 to, to 30 percent. No, 70. And yes, 30 percent. And the polls closed uh, a half hour ago, so it's probably going to go now. So abortion might be protected in the state of Ohio, which is good for the sexual health of the women in Ohio. So there you go. Um, there you go. And to follow that up, more good news is everybody's going on strike or unionizing again, or more people are. Marvel's visual effects artists are going on, are trying to unionize right now. Hopefully they aren't fired uh, because that's a very precarious industry. Reality TV stars are thinking about going on strike. Um, fucking stylists, the people who actually like with like red carpet events who like design those events and design like the clothing and stuff for the celebrities and stuff like they're thinking of going on strike or unionizing and stuff. So like, you love to see it. It really is like, it's a return to the fucking, it's the, it's, it's because fucking Reagan and the ascension of neoliberalism in the, in the seventies and then the Bush era brought back the Gilded Age. (laughs) brought it back and now we're back in the fucking second great labor movement of of this country you know yeah that is what the united states had as far as socialist organizing is concerned there was a well-documented unionism movement in the united states Mm -hmm. some of the bloodiest union battles ever fought on earth have been fought in the united states which is uh, it is a different kind of socialism like yeah unionism union socialism yeah i mean it is it is divorced somewhat from the state but in a lot of ways like i think that's a what is it it's a bug it's a feature not a bug yeah it's a feature not a bug of organizing in the united states because capital is so closely tied to the mechanisms of the state and so trying to take on the state directly is difficult because of those ties to capital. But if you're taking yeah. on capital, you kind of like, it's almost like a back door. Yeah, I get what you're saying. 
if you stop those corporations from being able to monopolize industries, then they don't have the same political power. So like, mm. rather than trying to change the laws to keep the companies in check, you're keeping the companies in check so that they can't buy the lawmakers. Yeah. There, we need to be able to do some things like independently of the state if we want to keep political protections on things, I believe, whatever means necessary. Uh, we don't have to talk about Trump, really, because, you know, he's been indicted now like seven times or whatever. He's the best at being indicted. He's the best president at being indicted. I'll give him that. Good and good for that. Uh, he might go to jail. I don't care. Like, I really like I'm not really that interested. It's just, I think it's oh. I just think it's worth I was wow, I just think it's worth mentioning. Ow. What the fuck just happened? <laughs> mm. <laughs> choking on your are you choking on your dip? What happened? No. I was eating the noodles. Oh. Ew. But I coughed, so they went like into the back of my nasal cavity. <laughs> yeah, that's gross. <laughs> 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 Oh my god, it was a piece of a carrot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Trump is a carrot. Trump is a piece of a carrot that's stuck in your nose. And Fuck, man. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to cut so much of this out. I was like, it's not at all. I thought Joe was gonna be on tonight. Yeah, um, I'm a little too. We're a little. He does all the time. He like because it's like I have a general gist of how things happen <laughs> in history. Like I know the theory, but he knows the fucking history part of it. Like I can be like Joe, give an example of this fucking thing, and he's like, "Yeah, uh, in 1836, this and this and this happened," and then I'll be like, "See exactly as I was outlining before." <laughs> Yeah. I don't know, like, this. I can't recall <laughs> specific numbers and names and shit like that. It's got good retention. <clears throat> I'm more of, like, a... The guy who gets carrots up his nose? Sorry. Did, did you want to talk about the local stuff, or, like, were you able to narrow it down? <clears throat> yeah. Oh, boy. Jeez. What? Just that was, it was, like, you cleared your throat. It was loud, and it, was, it, it startled me, sir. I'm sorry. It's okay. I put a lip in. Maybe it'll help me, like, focus finally. Okay. So. Good news, everybody. Uh, we were talking about Kendra Lara before, a couple of episodes ago, before the hiatus. The conservative faction of the Boston City Council was trying to, like, redistrict her out of her own district. <laughs> um, Weird. <laughs> not surprising. As of August 1st, 2023, the Boston Elections Commission found that the residents challenging city councilor Kendra Lara's place of residency did not meet their burden of proof during a hearing held on Tuesday morning. So she has been legally deemed a resident of her own district. So that's cool. Yeah, that's good. It was kind of funny seeing the video of her being like asked. <laughs> the reporter said, hold on, let me watch it real quick. <laughs> the, the reporter was like, where do you live? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and she was like, uh, Jamaica Plain, where I have for the last seven years. <laughs> so, yeah. Jesus Christ. That is like real fuckery right there. Wow, we, we got some fucked up shit going on in this city. In this city council? I will say, though, I don't know if we touched on this, but pretty bad timing. After... 
I told that whole story about the officer that was arrested <laughs> in his driveway. <laughs> he was like absolutely hammered drunk, claiming he had just come back from church. Kendra Lara, unfortunately, got into a little drunken car accident of her own. So, you know, not a good look for the only self-avowed yeah. socialist on the city council. But hey, it's Boston. I mean... That's probably yeah, the. Baby. It's about you know, like as far as my expectations yeah, go, baby. it's a matter of time. Um, <laughs> I'm sure anybody who's baby. been following local politics very closely is also aware that the Boston <laughs> DSA uh, ejected Mike Connolly from the chapter as well. No, he and quit. He told her, "You can't fire me. I quit." <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, technically, <laughs> yeah, he quit the chapter, but yeah. Uh, now he's trying to like out socialist the socialists on Twitter or whatever. I don't know what the fuck he's oh, doing. God. What is he doing on what? Is, what is ha- what? Ha- what's going on? No, I want to know. I love it. I love it. Like Jesus Christ. A lot of the like the complaints about him was that he was kind of like a petty dude and he was kind of like shitty to people on like a personal level. And now he's doing this shit on like Twitter. It's like, dude. Like, you're kind of just, like, fulfilling what everybody said about you, which is unfortunate. I'm not saying, like, yay, we outed a guy. I'm just saying, like, this, eh. Also, the DSA National Convention is happening, or did happen, in Chicago over the weekend. And, I don't know. Did you hear anything that came out of it? Because I didn't. <laughs> Me? Yeah. You're the only person here. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> no. All right. Yeah, there's a new uh, NPC. There's a new. There's a new cast of non-playable characters. Yeah, I don't care. It's whatever. I'll find out later. Whatever. Such a bad socialist, dude. Who fucking cares, dude? I'm such a bad democratic socialist. Well, fuck. I mean, I like don't know. Listeners, I'm an admin on the Slack. Yeah. Oh, I'm not that bad. And I haven't been on there in so long. Yeah, relax, relax, members. Fucking cops outside, dude. Fucking pig motherfuckers. Fuck them. Fuck those fucks. Did Mike Connolly, like... (laughs) What, still? Yeah, well, I can't find, like, I can't find his account on Twitter. I feel like he... Are you serious? Yeah, did he, like, get kicked off? I don't know, maybe, or he maybe made it, like... It's Mike Connolly M.A. What the fuck, dude? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's the simplest goddamn thing. <laughs> oh. oh, it's because I spelled his name wrong. That's why. <laughs> the algorithm is fucking up his page. It's a lot of like old shit, and I don't care. He's trying to pass like rent control, which like okay, cool, whatever. No, that that is awesome. Yeah, I mean, like I don't have a problem with that. Should we talk about what were the uh, accusations against him publicly or what? I don't care. I like wasn't a part of that. All right, because, like, I don't care either, and I don't really... Like, the thing is, like, I don't really... To my understanding, there was, like, a public set of accusations that were said, but the more serious accusations were more private that I'm not going to go into, and they were more on how he treated people personally, speaking. Again, like, his policy set, he is a little bit too friendly to people who are, like, who actually have kind of tried to stymie socialism in the state a little bit, but, like, we can... I at least support him on his efforts to get rent control passed like that was always going to happen within like our democratic confines of the mass of Ma- like massachusetts house and senate so I, I don't know. here here's the thing here's why like the whole concept of democratic socialism i know i'm a dsa member i know I'm a DSA no, go member. off it's fine the whole concept of democratic socialism i feel like it brings 
into relief the fundamental contradiction between socialists and politicians. Like, if you are a politician, you kind of need to have this self-interest in your own political platform and yourself as a candidate. And Mm -hmm. so, like, his personal ambitions to remain a prominent political figure is what motivates his like overshadowing of actual socialists in the area. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. His personal ambitions drive him to seek out coalition making that will improve his own career personally, but it it ends up stepping over the people who he has said that he's allied to. Exactly. Yeah, no, I see that. Yeah, that really makes a lot of sense. Uh let let, let let's say one thing. Is that like that type of drive can work in so many places? And should be, like, kind of implemented in this, in a certain set of places. Like, if you want to be, like, an artist or, like, certain people, like, even if you, like, kind of want to be, like, a labor organi- like organizer, like, those things are good for that. But, like, if you're actually creating policy and stuff, like, and this is the contradiction of fucking politics, is that, like, the person who wants it the most is the person who shouldn't have it. Yeah, exactly. And that's the contradiction with electoral politics, is that, like... It's all a choice that you are the one who decides to run. And it's like a lot of it's based on personal ambition. And so, yeah, it bakes the individualism into politics, which is like the exact opposite <laughs> of what socialism is supposed to be. Yeah, that's why I like it's very having point, a yeah. party platform, a socialist party platform, hopefully a communist party platform <laughs> by which all members abide is the only way to function cohesively as a party don't have fucking heroes just don't do it mm. they'll get assassinated <laughs> yeah got the refuse party program yeah yeah man that arguably is another reason why american socialism failed because they all got fucking assassinated that's true everywhere <laughs> the only socialists that didn't get assassinated were the ones that built up their state to rival the united states as military which like J. Robert Oppenheimer. <laughs> For good, like, I mean, it's kind of what the movie's about. <laughs> but no, you have a point. It's like... It, 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 he said... Zach, Zach, yeah. Zach said it best. He, they gave the power to the have-nots, and then came the shots. So yeah, God damn it. Tilling in the name of is one of the most... It's still in one of the most incendiary political statements. Anyways... Speaking of a fucking like band the conservatives don't get, and speaking of conservatives not getting pop culture or wokeness, I'm kind of piggybacking off of a video that I watched from the Cavernacle, who's this like a leftist UK YouTuber who uh, like talks about a lot about like the Metal Gear Solid series and the leftist politics in the Metal Gear Solid series. But he's been doing a series of videos responding to Ben Shapiro's Barbie and Oppenheimer reviews. And like, Jesus Christ, if you have a problem with Barbie, I don't know what the fuck, like, I finally saw it. And if you have a problem with that movie, like, I don't know what to say to you, bro. Like, you're just kind of like, that's entirely on you. Like, it's a very, like, well-designed, very genuinely funny movie with, like, genuinely, like, interesting analysis of, like, modern patriarchal capitalism and, like, how, like, the the struggle of, like, just being a woman and existing under, under that system as a woman. It's literally just pointing out, like, the basic reality of, like, of America. And it's like, this is the point. That I'm trying to get at is that like it literally comes to the point where it's like conservatives don't get wokeness. They don't actually get politics and pop culture. And they've kind of just boiled everything down to just being woke. And like what wokeness is to them is just like representation in a series of dog whistles where it's like if there's a woman, if there's a black guy, if someone mentions 
patriarchy or if somebody mentions like capitalism or if somebody mentions like representation or like gender theory or like uh, critical race theory or something, then it's woke. But again, at the same time, like Oppenheimer is a movie that's like, at one point they argue that like the bomb didn't need to be dropped because Japan had was surrendering. They argue that the land that they used for Los Alamos should have been returned to the Native Americans. Like Oppenheimer literally says that. It literally, it's kind of like arguing that like we pulled the genie out of the bottle and that was wrong. And we gave like, we gave the ultimate power of destruction to like the worst fucking like people imaginable. And like Ben Shapiro's whole review of it, he doesn't have any actual critique or analysis of the politics of the movie. He basically just uses the whole thing to say that like, yes, like all the old scientists were socialists. So like, I'm going to use that as a cudgel to say that Anthony Fauci doesn't know what he's talking about. And it's like, Ben, what the fuck? Like these two things are entirely separate. It was, it's, it's the weirdest fucking video. One of the weirdest things I've seen in like a fucking conservatives review, but it's like, they chalk up the fact that like the movie has this like positive representation of communism and communism in like academia and in like intellectual sciences and physical sciences and stuff as like, well, that's the historical record for context. Since I've, I've now seen Oppenheimer twice, and for context, I've watched pretty much every other Oppenheimer movie made from here to there, and none of them talk about the fucking communist politics with as much A, positivity, or B, heft in screen time as Oppenheimer does. Like, that is a real part of the movie, is an exploration of those politics. It's really strange that they're not also calling that movie woke, and it's because, like, one, people like Ben Shapiro can use it as a, as a fucking cudgel and a dog whistle to say, like, see... Like, this movie is arguing that scientists are socialists, so, like, we can fucking dis- disregard what they think about things. But also, it's like, <laughs> a lot of them are using, what? So, it's just such a fucking stupid, it's, it's an absolutely insane premise. Yeah, no, it is. Again, even though the movie is very, very, very anti the dropping of the nuke, like, there's this scene where Oppenheimer meets Truman, and it's largely based on the actual discussion that they had. Truman, yeah, Truman was the one who came after Roosevelt. Eisenhower was the guy who actually fought in World War II. And Truman literally said, like, historically said, like, get this crybaby out of my office. And, like, Ben Shapiro was like, Truman was right. You know, like, we had to drop the bomb. And it's like, motherfucker, like, most of the movie just argued at you, like, said to you several times we didn't need to. Like, you're not picking up on what the movie's actually fucking telling you because you're an idiot. And because, like... there's no nuance with these motherfuckers and it's so frustrating and it's like ben shapiro went to harvard for screenwriting and he doesn't know how to analyze a movie script and it's insane i I would love to for that boy to to come back to boston so i could give him a knuckle sandwich also like i didn't watch it but i saw a video that was like arguing that like Metal Gear solid was like actually very pro-war it's like dude what are you what did you play Metal Gear solid 5 where the entire thing is arguing that like war is this like constant endless cycle of like 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 soul ruining degradation to one's like self and it just like turns you into this like ashen version of yourself that you're just like a ghost and you're not even like who you say you are you're not even the real fucking big boss and shit like come on all of that is like telling you something about war that like it hollows you out it makes you this specter that's like not good <laughs> so anyways like god damn it it's just it, i don't know something about poor media analysis really bugs me because it's the thing i went to fucking school for anyways and I'm done. All right. I'm going to go play Half-Life. <laughs> oh. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I have, like, a bunch of local news stories. Oh, you have more? Yeah. All right, go off. Okay. Mara Healy has declared a state of emergency over the number of migrant families in Massachusetts. What? Yeah. Shelters uh... are, like, completely full. 
and oh, okay. there are about 5,600 families in emergency shelters in Massachusetts, which is almost twice what it was last year. And although I don't think Mara Healy's politics are good in any way, <laughs> I think this declaration is overall a positive thing because one, it shows that something Massachusetts is actually acknowledging and doing something to address the fact that there are migrants in Massachusetts that need access to housing resources. And uh, rather than calling on authorities to like deport everybody, yeah, at least she's saying we should be finding ways that we can, you know, incorporate these individuals into like our society and our workforce and give them some kind of housing. But also, I think it comes at a good time in regard to affordable housing, because that's going to be one of the ballot initiatives on the next ballot. Rent control, affordable housing. So it'll be easier. Is it non-binding? No, because it's currently illegal statewide. It would basically make rent control legal again in the state of Massachusetts. Pretty fucking big deal. So, yeah, don't listen to your landlord when he tells you to not vote for that. (laughs) Yeah, fuck your landlord. Uh, in fuck my name, not the, not the good way. Not no, good. yeah, there you go. <coughs> <coughs> Jesus, did you hear about that cop or the cops that got reinstated after they were fired? The seven cops who got fired from the force after they refused to get COVID vaccines were reinstated by the by. Oh yeah, 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 actually, I did. Yeah, I don't know I was, what more evidence is needed to point out that she's been a horrible disappointment. I don't know. I was going to talk about another story where yet another cop was like arrested for beating the shit out of his elderly neighbor for no reason. But got a lot of that going on in the state. Yeah, it technically wasn't like local, local. So yeah, but like none of the Boston cops are local. So like you know, <laughs> that's true. I think it was Hull. Oh shit. That's actually, no, like, motherfucker, I grew up in Hull, like, partially, because, like, the South Shore. All right. Um, like, you can talk about it. That's my stomping ground, so. So this was a WBUR article. A whole police sergeant, a 19-year veteran of the department, he's a sergeant, Jesus, is charged with assaulting an older neighbor in Pembroke. I know, it's Pembroke. Didn't click until I listened back on it. Scott Saunders, 46, was off-duty near his home in Pembroke when the assault took place. He was walking down the road near a beach carrying a paddleboard when he pushed to the ground and punched his neighbor, Harry Horsley, for allegedly driving too close to him, according to court records. Wait, driving too close to him in a car? Yes. Driving too close to How the fuck? All right. The alleged assault. So wait, he got a paddle. Oh my God. The more that the longer the article goes, the worse it gets. The alleged assault on July 24th left Horsley bloodied and bruised. He was taken to a hospital for treatment. Pembroke police reviewed Saunders' own home security footage and wrote that Horsley seemed to give Saunders plenty of space on the road and didn't appear to raise his hands towards Saunders before he was punched. Saunders was arrested and released the same day in order to stay away from the victim. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> totally normal behavior from a fucking police sergeant. 19-year yeah. veteran of the department. Yeah, he's got 19 years experience. And, you know, paid off. He beat the shit out of that old man. God damn it. <laughs> so currently, uh, Saunders is uh, on the receiving end of an internal affairs investigation. And he declined to comment on that. So, sounds like a <laughs> really great guy. Yeah. 
Holy fire the guy. What are you doing? Fire, please. Fire all the police. We say... Thumbs down. Thumbs down. Thumbs down to him. Big stink. Big stinky. <laughs> Next story is just a... It was a WVUR radio segment, actually. The gist of it is that the mess and cast situation uh, is apparently getting worse. Um, I just couldn't help but notice that the first person that was interviewed for the radio segment and article was the executive director of the New Market Business Association. And she said, quote, it's worse now than it's ever been in terms of the atmosphere and the level of violence and anarchy. And also this article pulled one of those like standard tropes in reporting to try and portray unhoused people as somehow also living in luxury. Quote, oh, yeah. This week, dozens of tents were crowded onto a cordoned-off two-block area of Atkinson Street in front of a homeless shelter and not far from the Suffolk County Jail. Several tents contained decorations and had air mattresses inside. Dozens of people were sitting in the hot sun in wheelchairs. Yeah. Damn, these people are fucking hood rich. <laughs> <laughs> like that's what it's supposed to evoke, I guess. Yeah, wheelchairs? Is that supposed to mean that they're rich? I don't get that. Wheelchairs? Anyways, fucking stupid. I hate. Who wrote that article? I actually looked into that. Her name is Deborah Becker, and I discovered that she used to work for like an arm of the Christian Science Foundation. <laughs> that should pretty Even much better. tell you all you need to know. Even better. All right. Next story. Positive story. So the uh, MBTA, the union that represents the MBTA. I knew there was an MBTA story. I was right. Yeah. Finally came to an agreement. Oh. Quote the. Agreement will provide an 18% wage increase over four years, which is the largest pay increase for tea workers since the 1990s. It expands benefits like dental and vision coverage for part-time employees. Oh, nice. So this is actually a pretty big deal because obviously, you know, in recent years, the MBTA has come under like intense scrutiny by the federal government for being a death trap. And um, during COVID, a lot of people were, were basically were, were exploited beyond their capacity. A lot of people quit. Um, a lot of people thought that working conditions were unsafe because they were unsafe. And the MBTA has been in kind of a crisis because they're struggling to hire the number of operators and other workers that they would need to keep service running and safely. So hmm. I don't know, just a little nugget of good news just for the fuck of it. Yeah. Looking for a job, get a job. The MBTA. So I mentioned the 2024 ballot. I'm just going to go over some of the things to look out for. One of the things, the proposal would end the practice of requiring students to pass a standardized exit exam, which is the MCAS, to graduate high school. And, you know, we know how standardized testing generally favors certain demographics over others. I don't know. Standard. Do I really have to fucking go and get into why standardized testing? Like, no, it sucks. It's getting bad. rid of why standardized. Te- yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> another one would be legalizing shrooms. Perhaps. Oh my. Uh, rent control, as I mentioned. Yeah. Filed by Mike Connolly of all people. Mm. <laughs> to, no, we're just gonna have to live with that one. Yeah. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, increasing the minimum wage will not be on the ballot. However. I think this huge one, the most relevant to socialist organizing would be the same group, Flexibility and Benefits for Massachusetts, is trying to get that fucking gig work uh, ballot initiative Mm -hmm. back on the ballot. 
They failed last time because of the wording of the proposal, but they have so much money behind them. They basically have four huge donors being Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, and Instacart. Um, and they have this huge AstroTurf campaign to try and put a working class face on a completely corporate, just fucking disgusting, capitalistic money grab The ballot initiative would classify gig workers as independent contractors, meaning that corporations under which they work would not be responsible for providing them things like safety, benefits, (laughs) anything like that. What anybody deserves. And there's going to be a lot of like psychological bullshit marketing going along with this. I mean, they spent, if you look into their finances, uh, the last time this flexibility and benefits group organized, they spent a ton of money on consulting, advertising to try and push forth a false message that it would increase pay for drivers and dashers and whatever. But in fact, it would not. So yeah, there's some other shit, but I won't get into it. Just be on the lookout for that and tell your friends and family that it's complete bullshit. Yeah, don't support it. Do not support it. Don't. Last story. I don't even think about it. This is just a weird one. <laughs> there's just a severed arm found in the in the garbage in Boston. No more information on that yet. <laughs> oh. It's just in a dumpster. I don't know what happened. Location? Uh, Winchester Street. Nice. Sources tell the WBZI team the DPW, Department of Public Works, was dumping a pile of trash when the lid came off and a human arm fell out. So. (laughs) Party part, yeah. A body part found in trash bin. When was that found? Yesterday or when was that found? Yesterday. Yesterday. Damn, man. That was was, was in downtown Boston yesterday. Damn, could have been my arm. Luckily it wasn't. Alright. We've been going for a while, surprisingly, just the two of us, and that's good. Loving it. Two comrades I'm hanging out. Cut it way down. Oh, oh, I know you are. Have fun with that. Anyways. Oh, I'm Scott. I'm hot and tired right now. It sucks. Uh sweaty wife on, on whatever. I don't care. Instagram if you want to follow me on that bullshit. I'm also on threads on that bullshit. It's all bullshit. It's follow me on Twitch. <laughs> sweaty underscore wife. It's all bullshit. And he's Jesse. There you go. Uh, I'm Jesse. Oh my- you can find my music on soundcloud.com slash contingence Boston, C O N T I N G E N Z E Boston. And I have a slam <laughs> recommendation crazy. this evening. And your slam recommendation is. There it is. An album entitled Unearthing the Void. Oh. I love this like dissonant melodic shit. And the band is Molested Divinity. <laughs> uh, and they are from. What was it called? Molested Divinity. No, the, the name of the song? Unearthing the Void. Yeah, that's pretty good. Alright. Yeah, it's not bad. They're from Ankara, Turkey. Turkey. There's like kind of this mathcore vibe. (laughs) I tried counting the beats per minute, I mean beats per measure earlier, and I came out with nine and then like 17. So they're doing some interesting shit musically there. 
Cool. We got a Patreon. Has all sorts of fun stuff on it. At Epic Infidelity. We have an Instagram. You can follow us. Find us on Facebook and YouTube. Yeah, every week we say, or every episode we say, but tank do. But tank do. Yeah, and that fucking is the episode. I I need to go make some food for myself. Yes. I have never been... less prepared for a fucking episode. We pulled it together, though. All right. Do not come. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. Randomly stepping in dog shit. I'm defenseless. Randomly Randomly stepping in dog shit. I am gay. I am mm. disabled. Big gay ice cream the is the best. What the fuck? What the fuck? Gotta have them ribs. <laughs>